the BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. Hello and welcome to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, which you can download and listen to for free on the BBC Essex website. That's bbc.co.uk slash bbcessex. I'm Ken Crowther and this week my special guest is Tom Cole from Rittle University College near Chelmsford. Coming up, we'll be answering your questions on everything from geraniums to green gauges and tomatoes. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour, every Saturday from 11. BBC Essex. Tom, it's a warm welcome to the programme. Weather's become sort of mixed, hasn't it? It's gone a bit autumnal in a way. Well, it's lovely and refreshing. (laughs) Well, it is after all that hot spell, but we're in the middle of the summer. It always does this, doesn't it? School holidays, soon as everybody breaks up. Pours with rain. Pours with rain. (laughs) Anyway, it is making our gardens grow, isn't it? And they are really growing Phenomenally fast. They are, aren't they? So one of the things I'm looking at is actually pruning wisteria. Oh, yeah, they've grown massively And they have gone absolutely berserk this year. So uh, this is the time to do your summer pruning. Mm Mm-hmm. So basically, look at your plant. You have lots of whippy young growths in full leaf. Take the whippy young growths and cut them back to one or two leaves. So that's quite close to the framework. Uh, Unless you want to extend the framework, then just tie in that shoot to the direction you want the plant to go. And then tie it in and then tip the ends, just and you know, back by, back to a couple of leaves. Uh, And that will give you possibly. Uh, a lovely tidy plant, but also you might get a second flush of flowers. I've noticed some yeah. are already flowering a bit, aren't they? They are. And, it, and if you have a very vigorous form, you might be doing it every couple of weeks during the summer. <laughs> so it, it is worth doing it because it's building up that material ready for February, March flowering next year. So yeah. Keep keep trimming, in other words. And talking Absolutely. of trimming, deadheading. Now, this is covering everything in the garden. I mean, herbaceous plants, some of those have finished and you can just deadhead those. Um, one of the things I like to do as well is cut back those geraniums. And in fact, uh, the hardy geranium, I would just um, cut the dead heads off and then sometimes just pull out some of the horrible growth that you get round the base and I tell you what, you get a second flush just as Tom was talking about with the wisteria all your annuals need regular deadheading if not they go to seed, there's nothing worse than I always think of French marigolds when I first started to plant bedding and a French marigold will very quickly go to seed keep snapping them off and you will get a further flush absolutely all the annuals need that but be careful that you take the dead head off down to the base and the worst thing you can do is geraniums people snap the tops off and they don't take that stem of the geranium flower right back to the base if not you get rot running back down don't you tom absolutely back to pruning um if you've got fruit i'm out there with my secateurs if you've got restricted fruit plants such as uh, apples or pears or even cherries growing on a fan or an espalier or a cordon or a step over I'm afraid this is a time when you should be really finishing off that sort of pruning for Mm. summer. And it's really to take off all the vegetative growth back to just in front of where the fruit clusters are. Or technically, what you'd be doing is taking that growth back to that basal cluster, which is a little whirl of leaves just above the cluster of fruit. 
that will actually bring the framework under control, let's light in, so it's all about quality of fruit, helping with ripening, and at the same time, thinning out fruit that clumps. That is so important. We keep getting people ringing up that are saying, you know, I've got my plum branches broken. Well, that's because they haven't thinned it early enough, have they? They need to thin out, but they also need to support the bough yeah. on, a, on something like a Victoria plum. But if it's on uh, something that's really tied into a framework, go to the cluster of fruit. If you've got five fruitlets, take every other one out. Take out misshapen ones, badly positioned ones. And, you know, it's about quality of fruit, not quantity. Quality is what we want. Now, we were talking about deadheading, and deadheading includes, I said, some of the herbaceous and perennial plants. And why not collect some seed and then grow your own plants next year to increase your amount of plants that you want? And some of the things you can do that with, if you look at your honesty, that's starting to dry. Poppies are starting to dry. Now, what you need to do is, as they start to yellow, or yellow and brown in the sun it's a good time to just cut those stems off then get a paper bag yeah one of those that you've had from uh, you know from your greengrocer that you can use again i hope you kept them all because that's what you want nice brown paper bag and you put the cluster of the head of seed into it and then i tie them upside tie them up with a bit of string and then tie them upside down and the seed will dry if you need a cool dry place and the seed will be produced it will drop from the from the heads into the paper bag and then you can actually harvest that if not just knock them off the seed heads as they've dried and you can use that for more plants next year and include poppies and also some of those meadow plants that you might see if you're doing a bit of wildflower meadows you can look for them there can't you because although in theory they drop to the ground and uh, replenish it's worth taking a few and then you can grow your own seedlings and then plant those as well, can't you, Tom? You can. And on the same theme as plants for free, oh. um, I'm out there taking cuttings. cuttings. Yeah. I knew you would. Software cuttings of all those tender perennials that we're enjoying for their summer colour. Things like fuchsias, pelagoniums. Uh, the heliotrope, that lovely scent oh, uh, towards gorgeous. the end of the day. Um, look out for tips of growth which haven't flowered. And really, you just want a tip of growth with about four junctions on. Uh, remove it from the plant, cut underneath that fourth junction, remove half the bottom leaves. And actually, you don't really need to have hormone powder or rooting powder at all. They can just go straight into a, a good seat and cutting compost in a tray or a modular pot uh, with a plastic bag encasing everything once you've watered it. And literally, within about a week to two weeks, they're starting to root. So within four to five weeks, you're potting them up and growing them on. And then protect them over the winter and then pot them up again in the spring. Yeah, it's all a, it, gardening is about not just enjoyment, but it is about, isn't it, getting some plants for nothing. Absolutely. And you can give them to your friends, you could sell them for charity, you could do all sorts of things with extra plants, can't you? You can do, yeah, and it's so easy. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther, every Saturday from 11. Let's have a look at some of the gardening events taking place across Essex over the next few weeks. And I want to start with Mark's Hall, because Mark's Hall Estate in Coggleshaw is holding an outdoor exhibition of sculpture. There's going to be 300 pieces from over 50 national and international sculptors. Now, you can go there. It's open... Well, it starts today, the 29th of July, and it goes right through to the 10th of September. Their opening times are 10.30 till 4.30... Normal garden entry. So 
that's all you pay. You pay your garden entry, you see a great garden, and it is a great garden, one of my favourites in the area. I shouldn't say that, I'll get into trouble. But go and have a look at these uh, National International sculptures and see what they've put in there as well. Fascinating, absolutely fascinating. Saturday the 5th of August, that's next weekend, isn't it? 2 till 5, and on the Sunday 10 till 4, the Dovercourt Future Society have their annual show at Park Pavilion, Barrack Lane, Dovercourt. So go along to that. Admission is just a pound. Accompanied children are absolutely free. Get them along. Get them interested in fuchsias. And ask them if you're suffering with something like fuchsia gall mite, you can ask for their expert advice and see if they can help you to clear your collection of fuchsias of it. Dragons at Boyton Cross Chelmsford is open to raise money for the National Garden Scheme and that's on Tuesday the 15th of August, two till five, three quarter acres of garden there and it's very much a garden that encourages wildlife. Admission there, four pound, children absolutely free. Tell you what, there's homemade teas as well. Going through to the 19th of August at 2pm, the Ardley and District Horticulture Society are hosting the Ardley Annual Show at Ardley Village Hall, Station Road, Ardley. Open to the public, 2pm, and uh, the prize is going to be presented at 4.15. So go along there. Refreshments again are available. Saturday the 26th, 27th and 28th of August, St Nicholas Church, Great Wakering, is holding a flower festival. That's another good one to go to. Flower festivals lovely to see a lot of work goes into it as well uh, so they are that's the flower festival there uh, just um, thinking about how you can get your event published here on BBC Essex on the podcast I'll tell you more shall I if you want to get it noticed three weeks advance notice that's all it is to me send them along to ken.crowther at bbc.co.uk or why not drop me a line BBC Essex, P.O. Box 765, Chelmsford, CM2 9XB. Coming up next, myself and Tom will be answering your gardening questions. And we're going to be starting with Eve from Harlow and her lawn. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. Every Saturday from 11. I've got a box of powder that you put on uh, to get rid of moss and, you know, all these sort of things on your lawn. Um, it's unopened and um, it's been in the cupboard for, for a number of years. I think you need to tell us what it is. Do you know what uh, it is? Well, it, shall I give you the name? Yes, give us a name. It's called Aftercut. Aftercut. Yeah, Aftercut is one that, to my knowledge, I thought that slowed grass down. It actually slows the growth rate down. It's a growth retarder. What does it say on oh. the packet then? Um, I'll have a look. Because <laughs> that's what I thought it, it was. After, yeah. after cut. Um, Sorry? It, it kills um, weeds. Yes. Uh, it feeds in conditions. Yes. And it kills moss and it greens in moss. seven days. Oh, it's a moss. Yes, it was a moss killer. You could use that now because uh, we've had sufficient rain for the soil to be uh, relatively good. Normally, you'd use that in the autumn, though, wouldn't you, Tom? Yeah, autumn or spring. Yeah, as part of the, your, your maintenance in the autumn or the spring. Would but... you worry that it was old? I, I wouldn't particularly. I'd give it a go. It's Why well, waste it? You've got it. You might as well use it. And as Ken's saying, it's, it's moist enough for you to put that down. Often when you're putting some of these ingredients down, you might need to... Uh, be, be careful, read the packaging very carefully. It often says wash in after 24 to 48 hours. That's to stop it from burning. But I would use it. 
Follow the instructions. Follow the instructions and apply it. All right. Oh, good. I mean, as as it says on the box, you've got to get rid of it in certain places, and you know, I could go out and buy a new one, but um, if I can use the old one, fair enough. See what happens. Yeah, thank you very much. Okay, that's Eve from Harlow. Dennis from Hodderson. Hello, Dennis. Hi, uh, I've got a a query uh, for you. I've got a passiflora uh, climbing plant. Yes. That has quite a few flowers on it. Lovely. I suddenly looked at it and I find I've got about four green balls, about a little bit bigger than a golf ball. Yes, you have indeed. They will turn a lovely orange eventually. Right. Um, but um, they're basically... I always remember Peter Seabrook, um, you know, Peter Seabrook, well-known for his gardening column in the sun as well. Uh, Peter yeah. always used to say that um, they're edible, but they're horrible, and the only thing that you would want to do with them is you can make jelly from them, but again, it's not an exciting jelly that really they're just a seed pod, aren't they? And they're better treated oh, as that, don't you think, yeah, Tom? It, yeah, it's just a fleshy fruit. A fleshy fruit. <clears throat> there right. is, so, there is. But it does con- it does contain seeds that we could probably replant. Or yes. Yeah. What you'll need to do is once the fruit is fully ripened, that re- it really goes orange, becomes quite soft and spongy. Uh, take the fruit off. Uh, open up the the outer coating, spread out those flesh. We'll have seeds with flesh around them onto something like a kitchen towel paper, something like that. Let it dry out because that flesh is actually. If you just leave it on there and sow them, the flesh actually will inhibit germination. Oh, um, right. So it's a bit like growing tomatoes. Actually, if you extract tomatoes from a fruit, let the tomato seed dry out then you get a better response when it comes to germination. But try it. Uh, okay, be quite exciting. Fine, thanks very much. I wonder what to do with them. That was all. Yeah. It's the first and time I've seen them, and I wonder what to do with them. Good growing weather this year, so they're growing well, OK? Right. <laughs> thanks, yes. for, thanks very much indeed for your call. we got George in Basildon. Hello, George. What can we do for you? Good morning. Uh, tomatoes, ripening into tomatoes. Uh, but they don't seem to be going that, that lovely... Red, you know, that's red colour. They seem to be sort of a, 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 an orangey colour, you know. Uh, would it be wise to cut the leaves that are covering them? Well, I do take off some of the leaves uh, just to let more light in. That will improve ripening. Um, what else can you do? There isn't a great deal more. You're regularly feeding anyway? Regularly feeding, yeah, twice a week, to the time I right. Yep, so keep on doing what you want, but I think if you've got leaves absolutely coating across the fruit, remove some of them. They will. The plant does need leaves, it needs to photosynthesise, but if you remove some of those leaves above the fruit, it'll let more light in and you'll get a more even colour. Lovely. Okay. Thank you for your help. Yeah, I'm good. Keep, luck keep on the those. feeding up as well, isn't yep, it, Tom? Absolutely feed yep. them. Keep feeding. Thank you, George. I'm going to go to Edward, who wants to talk about fuchsias, and then I'm going to deal with. There's a couple of. Uh, text and we will deal with uh, those one about hydrangeas and lee has also texted in so we'll do a couple of those as well let's talk fuchsias with edward from shubriness hello edward uh, good good morning to you uh, uh, hello yeah what what what's your what do you what were we talking got, about today i've i've been growing fuchsias for quite a number of years now yeah um, but this uh, this last fortnight i seem to uh, 
the flowers are, are like balling up. And how are the tips balling up as well? Yes. Yeah, you've got you've got a problem that we talked about last week. Funny yes. enough, I, I was just going to get back to you. I I heard you last week, but then it went completely off. And I... Right. <laughs> okay. Now, now the thing about it is, is um, it's quite a newish problem. I mean, it was it came into the country in about two thousand eleven, so it is quite yeah. a new problem, um, and it is fuchsia gall mite. Now, the recommendation is basically if your fuchsia is completely covered, in other words, it's all over it, the advice is to remove, get rid of, burn, get it away from your garden completely now, right? Oh, does, does it spread on the other plants? It, yes, then? no, it is literally fuchsias. fuchsias. Now, the Tom, we have got one systemic insecticide left, haven't we? Well, we've got a couple, haven't we, that are worth mm. trying if you've got a fuchsia where you've only seen a couple of mm. it showing. Yes. But if you've got it all over it, definitely get rid of it. It's, it's really the advice is to get rid of it. However, there's a couple of things that you could try if you've got, what, one stem or two stems, couldn't you? Yeah, I mean, yeah. you can use... There are. There's Bug Clear Ultra... Uh, yes, we, I use that. Yeah, uh, which, I mean, as Ken's saying, it's if you've not, only got a little bit on there, worth, once you've got the problem, you've got the problem, you're not really going to get rid no. of it. Um, so I would use that product, use it carefully over the, the entire plant. It's a systemic stroke contact, so it needs to have a light, nice light coating to be absorbed. Have we got any so, other systemics at all or not? There are others, but you're wanting sort of an ingredient called acetamaprid. And that's, that's not that's, in that's some of the others, is it? That's the key one to have. So does that help you? Yes, it does. Thank you very much. But if you don't have a problem, anybody out there listening, if you've got a major problem with your fuchsias doing this curling and crimping of the ends and the flower bud's not forming and the end bud's not falling, destroy because you don't want it spreading. It's very important indeed. Um, I did say just before I go to Gwen, I'll do one of these um, ones. It says, Hi Ken, I've got two hydrangeas in pots. Lovely flowers this year, but are now going brown. Well, they will. Uh, that's what happens to hydrangeas. They're dying off, aren't they? I don't think he, mean, he means the flowers. He doesn't mean the plant, I hope. Yeah, some flowers are going over more quickly because it was really, really hot. Really hot and now we've got wet weather coming in. So they're sort of degrading, really. Yeah. You can, you can choose to remove them or personally, leave them on. I leave them on because they're quite nice when frost hits them later in the year. They won't flower again this no. year, which is what he's asking, but he needs to get them in bigger pots for next year. Would you do that now or a bit later on? Well, do you know what? If... if if the if the soil root zone is moist enough, I would move them. I'd pot them on. I've been doing some potting this week, really. So go for a pot. A hydrangea really needs some space. I mean, these something like two, two and a half foot by two and a half foot uh, a pot. Good drainage at the bottom. Let the pot stand up in the winter. Let excess water out. Go for a John Innes number three. Yeah. Gwen in Westcliff. Hello, Gwen. Hello. I just wanted to know, have I got one of these deadly... Uh, plants in my garden that I have read about because it's the most strangest looking thing I've ever seen. It's big green leaves, grew little white trumpet flowers, but when you look into the plant here and there, there are these round prickly, like the size of a plum, but prickles all over. Green prickles. Oh, that, that's... that sounds like a Brugmansia, a Datura. It is, isn't it? Has it got really, really prickly? Yes. It sounds like that, it, actually. They do from time to time, they actually. Because they come in on birdseed, wild birdseed sometimes, don't yes. they? Is it a plant that's just turned up? 
It turned up about a month ago, and yeah, I just yeah. ignored it. I thought, well, it's another... How know, long are the leaves? Give us an idea on how long the leaf is. The leaves at the moment are about uh, 10 inches. Yeah, yeah. Yes. It's, it sounds like... So when you look at those flowers, do they smell? No, they're like white trumpet flowers. The flowers are now dying off, but I'm, a, I'm amazed that there's, there's things all over it, the size of a, a plumber size, but green, with prickles. Yeah, it's it, got, it, it can't does be sound much like else, that, actually, it? to me. Well, you can choose to either pot them on and grow them on, but you need to protect them over the winter period. Uh, or if it's just a plant that's not quite right for your garden and style, then... And the question was, is it poisonous? Yeah. Well, they are. They, and they are poisonous, but we still grow them in most gardens purely because they are an attractive plant. They're not mm -hmm. hardy. And they're usually grown as a conservatory stroke outside yeah, for the so summer like plant. A patio plant. Oh. Are you worried about them from well, a poisonous... I've never seen anything like it before, and I was very mm. curious to know what are it was. You, are you worried about it being poisonous? Because a lot of the things in our gardens are poisonous, oh, yes, but, we treat them with, yeah. but we treat them with respect and there's not mm. a problem. It's not very pretty, so I'll probably get rid of it. <laughs> Compost it. Big leaves, you know, these great yeah. big Okay, so well, they are going very quickly. Yep, you can look it up now, can't you? Thank yep. you very much indeed. Let's go back to the phones, and we're going to be talking uh, to about is it dwarf buddleias we're talking? Is that Vivian Ramsden Heath, yes, isn't that's it? Right. I bought one last year and was delighted how it flowered and yep. showed itself off thinking, well, um, it was an experiment, but it's, it's facing south. I've watered it through the dry period and fed it, and it hasn't showed a single bloom this year. And you haven't pruned it or done anything to it? Well, I've cut off the dead bits, you know, which... Um, That's all you need to looking, do, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's looking ever so healthy. It's all green. Well, you're doing everything else right. <laughs> you're looking after it too well, aren't you? Eh? Well, maybe I am. They do flower on new growth, so the fact you've got new growth is... I'd actually wait. I think you'll get flowers uh, eventually. I would have expected them to be in bloom by now. Mm. I would. Um, but, you know, keep on doing what, you, what you're what you doing. I, I think probably lay off the feed now. I mean, you've probably given it enough feed. But... Should I should I repot it at some stage? Maybe it's pot-bound. How, how, what's the pot it's in at the moment? What size? Uh, well, it's a stone pot because, obviously, it was a lovely stone pot I wanted to use. You know how you do. Yep. And it's about um, 18 inches high and 12 uh, inches across. Yeah, that would be OK for that plant. Yes, I uh, hope so. So I probably would still leave it in that. In that, right. uh, just keep your watering to a minimum. Don't overly water. No, I I will reduce the watering. Well, the weather's a little more kind now for yeah. plants, anyway, isn't yeah. it? But well, uh, there's, I don't there's anything you else you're doing. Encouragement. Well, <laughs> you're doing everything fine. We just got to wait. Yes. It'll burst it into flower, I'm sure. Yes, I hope so. And thank you again. That's what okay. we're here for. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther, every Saturday from 11. We're off to the sunny isles of Canby Island. Is that right, Irene? Yes, at the moment it is. So what, what are we talking about with Irene? Um, I've got a, a, a geranium, mm -hmm. a red one, and it's, an, it's always been enormous. It's in a big, massive big pot, and it's been absolutely beautiful every mm, year. Yeah. I fed it. I don't know what to do. It's bedraggled. It, the leaves are all look as if sad. 
and I haven't had one flower. Now, this is, <clears throat> this is one of the pelagonium-type geranium. It's not a hardy geranium, is it? You're talking about a geranium... Yes, it is hardy. I've had it out every year. No, no, I know it. It is for you, but is it the oh. flat? Has it got a stalk with a round, big round flower head on it? Yes. Yes. So it's an ant. What we call an it's a it's a, a pelagonium type geranium. Then yeah. Yeah. So it's looking sick this year. It's been in the oh, same. Oh, terrible! Could it be vine weevil? Well, they don't normally <clears throat> go for no, geranium, um, do they? In fact, at this time of the year. You've only really got adults around. No, I'm just wondering whether earlier well, on. Earlier on. When well, did it? When, when did it deteriorate? Well, it's, it's been deteriorating for the last, I don't know, couple of months as it's coming through. Mm. It's normally, well, everybody admires it. It's, it's full of bud. It's enormous thing. Mm. And I mean, it, I've not had a bud or nothing. I've we've fed it. It's worked in the hot weather. It's been well watered. Okay, when you say well watered, is it not? It's not too wet, is it? Well, with all this rain, it is, isn't it? What so, so you've got plenty of drainage in there. Water can oh, escape. Yes. Yeah, plenty of drainage. Okay, I I think where the where we've had the cooling down and we've got we've had a bit more wet weather. Lay off your watering a bit more. There are they are a plant Tolerate that you dry. can leave. <clears throat> And uh, it looks after itself for, for for quite a long time during the season. So it's minimal watering. So yeah. lay off the watering. Uh, you fed it. Don't do any more feeding. No. So let it dry out a little bit more and see what happens next. I think it will then start to produce its flowers. I would have expected some flowers a bit earlier on. And Ken's oh, talking no. about vine weevil. You could no. have, if, if that had been the case, I think your plant would yes. have died right down. Is it worth um, doing it with anything, in case there is anything? No, it? they're not around now, so no. that's not a problem. No, you, I, wouldn't, you wouldn't have to treat it until autumn no. now. Pick off, so pick off the worst do you, leaves. Do you think it will still flare this time? Yes. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Geraniums will go oh. right the way through up until, and sometimes okay. beyond the first frosts. Oh, OK, thanks very much, because I'm disappointed in it this year. It's been, it's been a wonderful plant. It's only a little old thing, and it's... Absolutely enormous. Nice to hear of enormous plants. Uh, let's talk to uh, Sandra now from Hockley. Hello. Hello. Hi. Now you're, we're Hi. back. On, we're back on hydrangeas, aren't we? Oh gosh. They're Hello. All coming out. Hello. The dog's after us. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you shouldn't have spoken, Tom. The dog's no, after no. you. See. <laughs> I said, Hello. He thought someone was at the door. I think. Right. What can we do for you then? Uh, I know you've already spoken about. Hydrangeas, but um, we moved here to Hockley with a new garden and um, beautiful uh, hydrangeas, except one that uh, all the others have flowered. Uh, there's no reason that it's not in a different place or anything like that, and just no flowers at all. And n when you really look inside, I don't think there'll ever be, <laughs> and it's just nothing there. And I just wondered why that could possibly be. I've been feeding and all the things you do with hydrangeas, but nothing's happening. Right, what, you, what feed are you feeding them with? Um, sequestrian iron liquid feed. Yeah, that's fine. That'll do yeah. it, wouldn't it, Tom? Yeah. Tom's nodding over here. Do you know what? Sometime, sometimes on a hydrangea, I've been a bit brutal and um, cut it down. And I know you don't do that because you lose, you lose the flower, flower the next flowers. year, don't but you? But sometimes, yeah. actually, that invigorates the plant. You yeah. get lots of new growth so that for next year, uh, you'll get some flowers. I'm not so sure you're going to get 
Eddie Flowers at this all year. Uh, this, no, this year. No. So, if, but the trouble is, Tom, if you cut mm. it down and yes, it would encourage new growth, it would flower, you'd lose it for next year as well, wouldn't we? It will do. So, I've got to be, I, if it was my hydrangea, so this is yeah. me saying, you cut it back hard. I would be cutting it hard to, to, to leaves. So, leaving leaves on there. So, go down the stem and just cut it back to leaves. Forget yeah. you're going to get flowers this year. See what happens next and year. Next year. Okay. Uh, and I would actually do just one feed, uh, just a general purpose feed, something like fish, bud and bone or Vitax Q4 in March, yeah. April onwards. And that's it. That's the only bit of feeding I would do. Um, right. And only now and again do I use um, sequestering. Um, but it is actually good for that plant. It is. It is yeah, good they're, they're, blue, they're blue going to mauve and pink. Sort of. Yes, yeah, so you hold the colour. With and that sequestered on. They're yeah. the flatter ones, not the. Uh, not mop know, head. Not mop head, no. No. But they still flower on you. The, the others it's... are absolutely beautiful, yeah. but just that one, it would just seem peculiar. Yeah, try it, see what happens. You, have, you haven't lost it. Yeah. No, it's no. It's worth when, experimenting. Yes, when would I best to do this? I'll do it now. Now. Yeah, yeah. and you'll oh, get some new growth. Behind it, a yeah, so it goes totally against yeah. what you've read anyway. <laughs> yeah. yeah, okay, I'll give it a go. But often in gardening, you have to do what isn't the standard procedure to actually make it all work, don't you? You know, absolutely, yeah. 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 Uh, let's talk to Jan from Halstead. Hello, Jan. You've uh, have you just put turf down or is it recent? Um, yes, we put it down about three weeks ago, okay. And um, now we've got a lovely crop of mushrooms everywhere, aren't it? Yeah. And we didn't know what was best to do. We've mowed it once, um, but it's growing lovely, the grass. Good. Um, but we just needed to know what to do about <clears throat> mushrooms. Well, I, <clears throat> I was going to say, are they real mushrooms? Because then you could have them for breakfast. But they're most likely, <laughs> they're most likely not mushrooms. They're most likely, are they a small, pale, creamy-coloured one? No, they're mainly a dark brown, and some have oh. got sort of a blackhead on them. Oh, right. They're, the black... they're, very, they're quite small, most yep. of them. Um, they're nature's way of getting rid of debris, basically, that's in the either the turf or the soil beneath, aren't they? Yeah, they just feed on uh, decaying organic uh, organic matter that was in the soil, or it might have been might have been in the mix that was laid down. Yep. Uh, it's a natural phenomenon, really. You have got a ring of uh, mushrooms, have your toadstools. They're just in patches, no, are they? Just in patches. No, they're just patches all over. We can't worry about them anymore. Uh, there's nothing we've got uh, to treat can't use anything, can anything on lawns for that at all. Um, all we do is sweep them off. You're better to sweep them off or pick them off than you are to mow them because you'll spread uh-huh. the spores even more if you mow it. Oh, right. Oh, that's fine. Because oh, you'll get it. You see what I mean? You'll get it on the roller and then you'll spread it all yeah. over the lawn. So just oh, pick I them see. off and yeah. they'll... They'll disappear come... Well, in fact, they're early, actually. You might, oh, you're watering it. It's a new lawn. You're watering it. That's why it's affecting. Yeah, because normally uh, they come in autumn rather than now. All oh, right? I see. Yes, that's fine. Oh, thanks very much for your and help. Don't cut, don't cut that grass too short, will you? Not too short. Okay. No. Okay. <laughs> we'll do. Thanks very much, Ken. That's Bye-bye. Jan from Halstead. And, Tom, we're going to Epping with a follow-up on a green gauge tree with Audrey, aren't we, Audrey? Yes, you are. Hello. Uh, what have you got you, for us? We asked you how we could perhaps write them up. So we tried and put them in a box, but 
we had to throw them away this morning because oh. they've all gone over and all shriveled up. Was this the green gauge that had broken a branch? Yeah, that's right, yeah. yeah. And I can't remember who's it. It wasn't you, Tom, was it? No. Mm. And they, I think what we said was we didn't think that they would ripen at all. Okay. But no, try it. You tried it, right, yes. Yeah, yeah and but they this... didn't. We're throwing them away this morning. Oh. You got some more left on the plant, though? Pardon? You got some more left on the plant? Yeah, yeah, it's our next-door neighbours, and um, they're all beginning to ripen, and she always gives us some. There's quite a lot on there, so we will get some ripe in the end. <laughs> I always think that green gauges are, I mean, one of my favourite fruits. If yeah, they're I, ripe... Yeah, oh, yeah, if, they taste horrendous. Because uh, you Sour. buy... I'm, I know I'm upsetting the shops, but if you buy them from most shops, and I'd be really general here... <laughs> They're not nice at all. I don't no, know. No, no, they, these are lovely when they're ripened. They need to come from the tree when they're ripe, don't they, Audrey? Definitely, definitely. Well, I thank you for your call. That's really good of you. OK? Thank you. Thank you there. Now I'm going to go uh, to text because I've promised that. We've got one here from... Oh, it says, <clears throat> good morning to you all. This is from Lee. I have a plant that this year has grown to about seven foot tall. Its foliage is fern-like. And the flowers come on long stalks, yellow in colour, and have the look of a cowslip flower. If touched, smells like aniseed. What is it, please? That's Lee. Fennel. Fennel, it could be. Dill. Dill. You do get a slight scent on dill. They are quite both quite tall. They're both and herbs. Yeah. Anything else do you think? I'm just trying Fennel to think. Fennel and dill. There's not, not much with else, that sort it? of foliage I can think of. Um, Fellow fennel and dill. Is that what we're going to go for? Yeah. So look them up. Now you can look it up. If you say fennel and dill, then someone can look it up. They can Google it or look it up, can't they? Lee can. And then he can go from there. Absolutely. And you can use both of them. Yes, because um, they're both taste well they've got the flavor of aniseed haven't they and even the I mean, ornamental fennel as opposed to florence fennel which is your real edible bowl yeah you can still eat the foliage so they are go for it and we're going to be talking to tony from braintree we're talking what is it aces japanese aces uh, japanese aces Ken. yep uh soil for them multitude of different articles in different magazines some say ericaceous some say multi-purpose, and the multi-purpose I use, I always try to buy one that hasn't got recycled stuff in. John Innes, number one or two, or a multi-purpose with John Innes added. I still. What would you use? <laughs> this is for a. This is obviously for a pot or container. They're, they're they're all in pots. I've got six of them. Three of them look quite sad, and the the purpurescence, the reddish ones, they look a bit healthier. I wouldn't. Would you pot? When would you pot them up? First, let's. When would you pot repot them, Tom? Because they're fragile individuals. They can be, actually. I think if the pot is already fairly big, but there's enough room and you want to put it on, I would. I would probably still do it now. Are the right? Are the ones that are sickly? Is that the reason you want to repot them? I want to repot them. I'm looking at the possibility. They've only been in the pots this year. And they're in large enough pots because, as you say, they're not very, not very big at the moment. See, what I'm worried about is that an Acer put into a large pot can not grow as well as an Acer in a smaller pot. Now, what size pots are they in now? And how big are the uh, plants? They're in... 
Well, the, the spindliest one's about a foot high, and that would be in roughly an eight-inch diameter pot. Oh, that is quite small. That's quite small, actually. I would go up two or three sizes yeah, on that one. Yeah, up to about a tw- two foot, yep. 30 two, inches. I think two foot by two foot is a minimum. Yep. Okay. Okay. And I would use... Uh, well. What would you use? I've used a whole range of compost, really. I know, so really. have ionases. I mean, they do... Pr- they like slightly acidic soil you get away you, I think you'll be absolutely fine with a John is number three but you could add it half and half with an acid based multipurpose yeah and if you want to go down the soil based route then John and this do an ericaceous compost they Not, do do an ericaceous so yeah you can that. blend the two together that would work well um, if you wanted it li- a little bit lighter you could blend a multipurpose with 50% ericaceous or a 50% uh, straightforward number three potting compost um, yeah, I, I personally, I think they need a bit more soil base. Uh, yeah, that's why I like rather John than the multi-purpose because yeah. they tend to dry out a bit more actually. Um, but they can be a bit temperamental. But the pot size you are telling us now is a bit small. I would go up to about so two has, foot. By two has that foot. given you a general indication on the planting up of the others as well? Yeah, because the information that even with a couple that I bought uh, off the garden centre on the A12, they said ericaceous soil but they also had uh bark chippings all over the tops of the pots when we yep. got them home yeah they used bark chippings just as a mulch just as a mulch just yeah. to keep the, the moisture yeah. in yeah yeah so don't, don't worry like, about that i know they don't like wind no they don't like wind they don't like south facing yeah. aspects but, i mean they are a hardy plant it's they just yeah. do not like this cold wind or sometimes if you hot wind where you buy them from just be careful that they have hardened them off that you haven't got them in also they're often very shaded, direct aren't sun they? Type, sunshine yeah. they, they are they, they really do like dappled shade there's a really good site you can go to in fact if you just put the plant name in a search engine follow it with the letters rhs It'll take you to the profile page and it's got everything on the soil conditions it requires. Do you know I get a bit angry? It's interesting he said about the multi-purpose. I do get a bit angry about all these programmes, that gardening programmes that always say use use a peat-free because there are some with peat, some without peat, and it should be our choice to what we buy, shouldn't it, rather than being told every time on TV programmes. That's what I feel anyway. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther, every Saturday from 11. Let's go to Joan in Hadley. Hello, Joan. What have we got? Oh, oh hello. Um, I phoned you earlier this year yes. because we had um, a problem with the plum tree moth. Oh, yes. Um, the We had an early... Well, spring, it seemed like an early spring. The plum tree looked as if it was about to come into bud towards the beginning of April. Possible this year. Yes, I did put the uh, pheromone trap up then. Within about 10 days, there were about 36 moths in there. Oh, you've got a crop of those. Yes, so I phoned you again and um, you suggested I get another trap. Yeah which I did within the week. It was up in the tree. I left, but the original one was in there as well. Yeah, that's OK. And um, I, but this year we had a really beautiful crop of plums. But each time I looked at the tree, that um, giveaway blob of solidified juice was on the skin of the plum. Yeah. And the worm was in it. This year, I have actually had to take off the tree 88 plums that were affected. 
Now, my question is, um, you said there was no insecticide you could use if on an edible fruit. If I was to early next year spray the tree liberally with, liberally with an insecticide but not eat any plums from it, would that kill off the problem? Or right. where do I go from here? Okay. Now, the, sometimes, have you checked... I'm just asking about the plum. You said the plum with the dob of uh, goo on it. Yes. You yes. have opened them and they are they have got maggot Not in them. everyone I did because, stuff by doing it because, and they all had the maggot in. Oh, right, because sometimes they have a dob of that goo on them and they have got no maggot. That is a plum thing, isn't it, Tom? Yeah, yes. I mean, sometimes I get encouraged by things like ants and other insects. Yes, yeah. so it's over. not always the maggot. That's what we're saying. So be careful not to discard them all just because they've got that spot of gunge on them because it might not be the maggot that has caused it. It could oh, be something else. No, I haven't checked latter ones, I must admit. No. But all the earlier ones right. that now, I took off were affected. You obviously have got a heavy, ferro heavy problem with the plum moth, isn't it, Tom? So I think you've got to keep going with the pheromone traps. Is there anything that we can spray, really? Because you can't... We can't suggest that she uses something like that we've just said, Bug Clear Ultra is a systemic, because you've got to be very careful that you do it straight after flowering. Is there anything that we can use still? There are products that have got uh, acetamaprid in, which can be used on some edibles. You just need to you need to check, check. Uh, the packaging on that one to make sure you can. Um, but actually, it's very much reduced uh, in terms of what you can use. The other things. Other things that are available to you, things like uh, natural pyrethrums and fatty acids, they're all contacts, so that you've actually got to have a problem to spray them onto. Um, and this is something that's going to... It's a possibility you can use that much earlier in the year when it's in leaf, uh, before any sort of fruit uh, forms. But I think do some of these other cultural controls. You've got pheromone traps. I mean, there's other things you can use between November and March, some things like grease bands and keep those topped up. And there That's is, there is a spray. We put a new grease band on Good. in the yeah. spring. Yeah, it's really November to March is the key time for grease bands. So it's keeping them sticky. Um, so keeping that stickiness, you have to replace those on a regular basis. OK, so keep going. The, the moth traps are the best things that you can keep going on. I'm sorry to have kept you waiting. Anne from Chelmsford, we're talking orchids. Is that right? Yes, it is. I had this orchid given me last year and I've managed to keep it alive and it's flowering beautiful. Good. But only one sort of um, spray. And the other sprays, what I thought would was... Um, you know, uh, little, little buds. Yeah. Their fingers. Nothing. It's doing nothing. They're just growing. It's like a root. Oh, they could be either small plantlets or they are aerial roots because that is how the plant grows, isn't it, Tom? Is it an orchid that's got a sort of pansy-like flower? Yes, it's got a white flower. Yeah. And a, a lovely colour with the... Yeah, so yeah. it sounds like a phalaenopsis, and what you'll get is little nodules of roots appearing at the surface where the plant meets the compost. Uh, you'll also get that flower spike, 
and part way down there you'll get the, you'll find little nodules and some of those nodules will expand into almost like almost finger length but often much larger than that and ultimately they will turn into new flower sprays so give it a bit of time they will flower uh, but it, it, it's one of those great plants that just flowers on and off for years to come didn't know if I have to cut them off. No, the only time you, what, what, what I would suggest you do is with the flower, as the flower fades, let it basically degrade, then follow the stem down until you see a nodule on that stem, then cut just above it. That nodule will give you your new flower spray. And that will go on and on. Absolutely, it's a brilliant plant. So you've got a great plant there, Anne, and if you look after it, it'll flower for years. That's Anne from Billericay. Hello, we're talking hydrangeas. Yes, hydrangeas again. Ken. That's all right. Um, What's up with yours then? Yes. <laughs> um, well, I moved in last year into a bungalow and it was in a very sorry state. I started feeding and watering it and this, this year it's lovely. But the trouble is I've got too many blooms and it's made it top heavy. Plus the neighbours' kids have been tearing into it and... <laughs> Ruining him, ruining it a bit. So, what can I do to get rid of the top heaviness? Well, I would take out the very oldest stem. Even mm. now, I take out the very Down oldest to the stems ground. to the ground. Yeah. So you thin the it out. To the okay. But when you come oh, back I... next year, mm. March, April, with whatever you've got left from this year. Remove the flowers down to the first or second pair of really healthy buds. Okay, and if you yeah. and if you still think the plant is very congested, take out uh, maybe take out about a quarter of the very oldest stems, so you really open up the plant. Okay. Okay. Yes, uh, it's beginning to rot, unfortunately, at the moment because it's got. Yeah, don't don't be afraid to, to prune some things out now. It's fine. It's fine. They are. Don't forget to prune. I think he says that about everything. And before I go to the phones, also Joy from Colchester. My penstemons and astrantias haven't bloomed this year. Any ideas why? Oh, gosh, that could be... I was going to say no. <laughs> <laughs> Have they got enough light? Have they got enough light? Uh, is there enough moisture? Are they you fed? Still give them a good feed of tomato food, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. What do you think? Let's go straight now to the phones, and we are going to Christine from Burnham on Crouch. Hello, Christine. Hello there, Ken. Hi, Tom. Hello. What can we do for you? Um, I, yesterday I bought a couple of uh, pendulous begonias. The corn oh, yeah. variety. Lovely. All like tiny flowering ones, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And a diacea. And I want to put them in a trough. And I'm almost out of um, multi purpose compost. Is it all right to put them in a bit of ericaceous or should I wait and get some more multi purpose? To be quite honest, if you're going to just well, enjoy them for the season, just use I'd it. use up what you've got. But ultimately, you're going to have to go and get some more compost. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that's fine. That's all I've got. No, the answer is yes. It's fine. Yes, it's fine. It will. It will work. See, I don't worry if it's a temp if it's more temporary. Doesn't I don't matter. worry too much about. Yeah, I want to keep much. the corns if I can. I want to try and keep the corns right. yep. if I can. You know? So at the end of the year, you can lift those, store them, yeah. and then pot them up correctly for the next coming year. Yeah. Oh, no, that's fine. Thank you. That's a pleasure. Heleniums with Patrick, is that right? They've collapsed. That's right, yes. Yes, hi there, guys. Um, yeah, they were doing really well until about a couple of weeks ago. Then we had some torrential rain. Yeah. They collapsed. Now, I've tied them back... But and watered them. I mean, they're they're not dying, but 
they look like basically a boxer on the ropes. They look a yeah. bit tired, the it's, leaves are coming off. Yeah. People... I wondered what I could do, whether I could stake them back, perhaps deadhead a few to sort of improve the, the big vigour and life in them. They, plants don't like being tied up after they've fallen over, do they, Tom? Well, they're sort of OK for a little while, <laughs> but, um, I mean... I cut them back. I'm, I'm, <laughs> Are you going to cut them back? I'm going to agree with you, Ken. You're going to agree with me, right? Um, I'd probably cut them down by uh, about a third to half. Third to half, yeah. Uh, and I know you're going to lose your flowers. Um, but they so, should reflower so this summer. That's an option. The other option is you do you cane, ev- you cane as many of those long as stems as you possibly can. Right, OK. Yeah. <laughs> but for next year, now you know how much they will grow... One little tip I've seen very good is to actually put a mesh over the crown as it's growing with netting on it, and you raise the netting up. That's what, they do. That's up. what they do at RHS Wisley. Yep. And you can't see any of that, but actually everything's upright. And even if it's very windy or rainy, they're all upright. All right. Okay. Okay, thank you very much. Give it a go and let us know, Patrick, how it gets on. That was Patrick from Seven Oaks. So let's go to Shenfield, a bit closer to home, to Norman. Hello, Norman. Hello, Ken. Um, I've grown cucumbers in my greenhouse for years in 12-inch pots, mm-hmm. um, obviously with fresh fertilizer, fresh uh, compost each year. Um, this year, some of the leaves are going a bit yellow, which I think could be magnesium deficiency. But the worst problem is that the baby cucumbers start growing um, and then they die off. Um, some, of, some of them are growing very well and finished, but I've had got quite a percentage that... Um, you know, just don't form into big cucumbers. They haven't been fertilised, have they, those young ones? Oh, well, they might be female-only yeah. varieties. Oh, it could so be, couldn't they it? They are a female-only yeah. one, yeah. Oh, yeah, um, right, so OK. So, usually, uh, with irregular fruit or fruit that dies off, it's it's more of a physiological problem. It's uh, often either too much water, not enough water. Uh, Weather conditions. Humidity conditions, yeah. or it's temperature-related. And that can all have an impact on the fruit as it forms. Um, so you could try and improve those conditions by just checking the compost. If it's too wet, don't water. They are a demanding plant for moisture. They are a demanding plant for fertility. So feed when you're when you generally feed. The leaves, the yellowing of leaves, is it on the on the lowest part of the plant or higher yes, up? It is. No, the lowest part. Well, I would just take those off so because yeah. you can deleaf. That's that's, that's yeah. okay. If the leaf though has got a vet, um, what we call intervenal chlorosis, which is yellowing between the veins, that's magnesium deficiency. And that's when you could use something like Epsom salts, magnesium sulfate. Yeah. But actually, some of the tomato feeds have already got magnesium in, so don't often have to do that. But I wouldn't only worry. You've got to remove those leaves anyway. Mm-hmm. All so right. check your watering, yeah. check feed. That's check all you can do. temperature and humid. If it's very humid, open the door if it's growing No, it doesn't get humid in there because it's right. ventilated quite well. Okay, so check maybe... Uh, Dramatic changes in temperature. We have had we some have drops had in some. temperature. We have had some. You think of this week, how it's gone down by nearly 10 degrees. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah? OK. All right. We'll Best of luck with that. your cucumbers then, Norman. Thank you very right. much for your for your call there. Talking of Epsom sorts, it says here from Kay from Mayensee, she says mushrooms, toadstools, something my mum taught me to get rid of them in the garden. Make sure they're wet. Sprinkle generously with Epsom salts. In a few days, they've gone. Honestly, it really works. But we could not recommend it for that purpose, could we? Because it doesn't say on the packet that you can get rid of your mushrooms in your garden, does it? So we have to be very careful that we only talk about product that has been um, checked, checked and rechecked and has got permission to be used in the garden. Let's now go to Maria from Harold Wood. 
Agapanth- Agapanthus, one of my favourite flowers. What's up with them? Agapanthus, I've got a couple of uh, different pots. One is still in bloom fully, the other one is going in a seed. Should I cut okay. them off or leave it? When do you leave them till, Tom? Well, I quite like the seed heads. I do. <laughs> so I just leave them on until they really start upsetting me, and then I just take the whole thing and cut it down. Um, it won't if- take any goodness out. Well, it, it's, it's minimal, really. But if you if you were if you were worried with that, then remove the seed heads now, and then okay. actually the plant will still keep on producing vegetative growth. But yeah, actually, I, do you know what? It, I don't think it really matters. They're, they're quite attractive. I personally leave them on. All right. Okay. Can I just ask one more thing? I've got go a new f- plant. Yeah, go it for calls, it. It's called Sandeville, uh, classic red. Will that survive over winter or is just... Say it again. Say it again. What was it called? Sandeville or Sandoval. Sandeville. One second. Um, Just in case I am... It's got Dipladeris Sandeville Hybrida. It's a hybrid Sandeville. It's not Mandeville. No, it says Sandeville Classic Red. And what's it got? Is it a large trumpet? Yeah, it's a trumpet, beautiful deep red. And is it a climber? It is a climber, yes. It's Mandeville. Do you know what I mean? Sounds like yeah. Mandevilla. Non Mandevilla, which is not hardy. I'm sure that's what you've got. A, it's a. It might be a hybrid of that, mightn't it, Tom? It's not 100% hardy, is no, it? No, you need to bring that into frost-free conditions. And just, I wanted to again. Uh, just, uh, it says Canthus. Con in Southminster has, has called through, and she says, "Has a Canthus, which is overgrown with rose. When can she cut it back? I think she means Acanthus. Do you?" Uh, so I can- don't know anything called canthus, do you? So it must no. be acanthus. Acanthus, which is a perennial, yep. uh, it tends to be cut down later in the in the year. But if it's if you're finding it's interfering, just cut it back. Then remove the old flower spikes. Don't worry. To the ground. To, to the ground. Ian from Tellingham. Hello, Ian. Talking fig trees. Good yes. Good afternoon. Hi there. Uh, yeah, I've got three fig trees, all uh, container based, but the biggest one of them has now started to leaves start to turn yellow. To me, it seems a bit early in the season for that, but. I wonder what your opinion would be and uh, any recommendations. Are they lowest leaves or higher up? No, no it's, it's, it's generalised over the biggest one of the, of the three that I've got. Okay. I mean, it's, all full, it's, all, it's all full of fruit. It's well watered with it, along with the others. Oh, right. I, if, if anything, I would, I'd, I would expect... I mean, most things in a container this time, this time of the year do start to get a little bit of yellowing on the lower limbs... Um, because we're we're constantly watering and flushing out nutrition. That's usually why we get that. Uh, the only other the only other reason you might get it if it's too wet. Um, so if you put, how is it? Is it just moist? It's not saturated at all, is it? No, I know it's saturated once a week, and then uh, I should leave it after that because oh, so it's in a quite a big well, that's, pot. That's, that's fine. fine. And water can escape really well. Yeah. No problem. No, unless unless oh, we've had a reaction much, to the very hot weather that we had a few weeks ago. Uh, then sometimes you can get the odd bit of dieback, you can get leaf, leaf discoloration. Uh, if it's really, really yellow, you could remove those leaves and just continue with what you're doing. Okay. okay. Yeah, thank you very much.
Ian, best of luck with that from Tillingham. Um, is it okay to eat tomatoes from the greenhouse that I sprayed with a fly killer? I have lots of blue bottles. I think the answer would be no. You wouldn't. You'd wash them thoroughly, wouldn't well, you? I always wash anything. Wash everything. Uh, my Cianothus, this is from Rob, has spread too far over the edge of the grass. I've cut it level with edge, but now have no leaves on the front. Will it regrow next year? Depends on the age of the Cianothus, yes, doesn't it? It's a bit of a fickle plant. It is. They sometimes come back. They sometimes don't. <laughs> uh, I'd feed it with maxi-crop seaweed-based feed to strengthen the plants. So they are good old maxi-crop. Any seaweed-based food any, would any, do. Any. do good morning. We have taken down five laurels that have trunks 90 centimetres round and are about three to four foot apart. Do we take out the roots or just stump grind them? We are going to plant a wildlife hedge in place of the laurels and we're wondering... If we stump grind, will the hedge struggle with the old laurel roots? We've left the trunks four foot high for leverage. Sandra in Tiptree. Well, I'd leave the laurels and plant in between them myself and let the laurels grow as well, because they'll grow back. But you wouldn't, would you? I'd want to get rid of those. I'd pull them out. Those thugs. You could use a, you could use a, 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 a what do you call it? Um, a brushwood ratchet. A ratchet. Oh. oh, yeah, to ratchet them out, yes. Ratchet them out yeah. or stump grind them. Yeah. Neither will hurt, will no. it? I think if you leave them in, they're, because they're a dominant plant, they will probably still take over. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. Thanks very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. And if you missed any of the gardening advice, tips and events, you can download this programme and take it with you wherever you go. Just visit the BBC Essex website, bbc.co.uk slash BBC Essex. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour, every Saturday from 11. BBC Essex.